What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here at Novacare Complex with Mike K for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show, our preview edition for the Eagles versus Cowboys, which will take place on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. Rivalry game. There's been a lot of trash talk already. Uh, some news to discuss, but I mean, it doesn't get much better than the Eagles Cowboys. At least the build up to it is, al- is always like the most fun part about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so many great memories you can think of, even if you didn't grow up an Eagles fan of these these games, because they're always in prime time. They're always they always feel like they're important. Like even if it, one of the teams is bad, yeah, right. Yeah, I think my probably my favorite memory of this rivalry was the 44 point game where. Uh, it was the year that the Eagles went back to the NFC title game uh, that season, and they had that late run. It was Dawkins last season, Trey Thomas, John Runyon, all those guys. And they just absolutely – it was week 17, they just absolutely ran through the Cowboys. Like, I remember at one point my grandfather came in, and they were just like, man, there's got to be a, 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 a mercy rule here. This is just <laughs> like – I mean, they were, the Eagles were out for blood, and, I mean, they killed the Cowboys. This rivalry is something that I think a lot of fans are obviously invested in, but it seems like the players are more invested in this rivalry than the Giants or the Redskins rivalries. Um, it, it, you don't really hear the amount of venom, you know what I mean? And Jason Kelsey and Jason Peters, as you alluded to earlier, had a lot of interesting things to say about the fan base and, and the uh, the team, which will forever instill their legend in the Eagles <laughs> lore. Sorry. What? I think a lot of it comes with the like national perception that like people still, for some reason, refer to the Cowboys as America's. I think people still do that. Maybe they don't as America's team, and and like just the way Jerry Jones carries himself. I know he's not a very popular owner around amongst players around the NFL. I would say I know Malcolm Jenkins earlier this year called him a bully for his comments about the national anthem stuff, which I, actually hasn't really been a topic this week, which I'm a little surprised about. But uh, maybe not. People have moved on from that. I guess I don't know. But anyway, the point being it's pretty clear that people in this organization just don't care much for the Cowboys. I haven't really heard much from the opposite end of the Cowboys talking smack about the Eagles, but I don't know if they have much to say they don't have considering the, the Eagles just won the Super Bowl and the Cowboys are an absolute mess right now. Yeah, you know, it's funny because they traded for Amari Cooper, and that just feels like it was like months ago. It does. Like, right? He's only played one game for them. Yeah. <laughs> right, but like, doesn't it feel like it was forever ago, being that, you know, the Eagles kind of won up them by trading for Golden Tate? And almost universally right now has been panned, especially because they look so bad, so it might be a top 10 pick they just gave up for a receiver. Yeah. Right, par for the course. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think. I think you look at two teams while their records are almost similar, they're he- trending in different directions. The wide receiver group is increasingly getting better and, and tight end group are increasingly getting better and better in Philadelphia. The Cowboys seem to be like plodding away at wide receiver. Dak Prescott seemed like this guy that everybody was going to count on to get all these big endorsements and be this dude. Carson's that dude. Yeah. Carson's that dude right now. Um, at running back, the Cowboys are set for probably the next five he, to ten. Even he hasn't played that well. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, he doesn't have much around him to help him. Yeah. Right. I mean, but even he's good. But relative, though. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's played thirty-three career games. He's only been held under fifty yards twice. That's yeah. insane. That's like that. I mean, that's Todd Gurley and maybe Adrian. Peterson. I mean, he had one of the best, most productive rookie seasons of all time. For sure. The suspension definitely. His second year definitely kind yeah, of. Yeah, he kind of been downhill for him since then a little bit. But I mean, but, he's still really good. Like, yeah, no I mean, he can pick up yardage, but I think what you're saying is his effectiveness of the overall game. The offensive yeah. line's not as good for them anymore. Which right. He, it was like the best in the league for a few years. That's, there. 
that's the one w- parallel in this. Yes. Yeah. They're both banged up offensive lines. The defensive line of the Cowboys, I actually think, is just as strong, if not stronger, well, than Demarcus the Eagles. Well, Demarcus Lawrence is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, at linebacker, they've probably got equal talent. Well, I mean, Sean I, Lee's out, though, for a while. Yeah, Sean Lee. Jalen Smith, though. Uh, that dude. Wow. Um, and then, you know... The DBs both are kind of underwhelming, both sets, and, you know. It's a pretty significant difference in coaching, I would say. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Unless we're grading based on a clapping scale. Both guys, former NFL quarterbacks, both guys uh, considered to have a really good grasp of the quarterback position. Only one of them does, apparently. But, you know, (laughs) hey, what can you do? You like that? Yeah, that was pretty good. You didn't see where I was going there, huh? Well, I was just cla- I was making Uh-oh. fun of Garrett by clapping. That was a oh, joke there. True. You you're a little slow maybe, today. Maybe, yeah, it's it's been one of those days. I was not clapping uh, at your comment. <laughs> what do you think oh. I am? Jesus, come oh, on. When you hear um, Jason Garrett, you're supposed to just think about clapping. Like hey, that's the most obvious Monmouth, thing ever. New Jersey, sir. <laughs> Congratulations. What did you say? Um, Jeez. But I do think it's very interesting that the Cowboys have stuck with Garrett as long as they have. Uh, I mean, it's because he's uh, he's basically Jerry Jones is microphone. Jerry Jones is speaking to a microphone, and then I would Garrett have, says what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, I think this game is going to really factor in how they see Jason Garrett moving forward. If they can win this game, then they're at four and five. They're still contending. The Eagles are in the same spot at four and five if they lose this game. And then Jerry Jones can feel a little bit better about it. But it does seem like the Cowboys and the Eagles are so focused on just beating each other that the Redskins really haven't factored in. You know what I mean? You don't really hear a lot about the Redskins around here. Uh, I think they are paper tigers right now. They're a team that got off to a good start, but I think they're going to kind of implode on themselves. They've had some bad injuries, yeah. Um, But this is a huge huge game. This is. This is the Eagles' second NFC Game of the year. NFC East game of N- the year. NFC East game, I'm sorry. NFC East game of the <laughs> That'd year. That'd be crazy if it was only yeah. their second NFC game. Yeah, well, scheduling is very flawed. It's all AFC teams. Though. Yeah, it's not even possible because you only get four of those. Sorry, so this is the, the second NFC yeah, East yeah. game of, of the season. They have five remaining, this obviously being the first of those. They got to come out swinging, man. We've talked about it before. This team has to go at least four and two in the division. And right now they're 1-0. They've got another date with the Giants, who uh, still bad. Dumpster fire is probably. A <laughs> They're still bad. I think it's not a hot take to say the Giants are still very bad. Yeah, I don't, I, like I said, I, I don't think dumpster fire is is really. It's, be, a, a, it's, be, it's mean to dumpster fires. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's, I mean, <laughs> a dumpster fire is like, come on. They're like a dumpster fire after the fire goes out. Like that's how morbid that is. Um, and then you know you got the Redskins, who, like you said, have kind of like fallen in on themselves with all these injuries along the offensive line receiver receiver yeah. i mean you know we still don't know what haha clinton Dix is going to do for them so I, I think the eagles really should feel pretty optimistic going into this week it seems like the locker room's pretty optimistic everybody's in there kind of talking um seemingly in a great mood so i think it just feels like a good week you know what i mean it, there's been no drama prime time game yeah, but there's been no drama. You and I have, like, kind of, not complained, but you guys, you, I mean, we've talked about it. There's not a ton to really focus in on in this matchup. And I think that's a good thing for this team heading into this game. I mean, Darren, when Darren Sproles is your biggest headline coming out, out this week, it's a positive for the Eagles. 
you know, let's let's get into the injuries because I think when we recorded our podcast earlier this week, we hadn't known yet. Oh no, because the practice didn't even happen yet. We recorded on Tuesday, so he he aggravated his hamstring again. We I mean, we both were not very confident that he was going to be able to contribute much anyway. They cut DeAndre Carter. He was he was immediately picked up on waivers by the by the Texans, and uh, and now they're without Darren Sproles. We don't really know who they're going to put at punt returner. Probably Golden Tate. It seems like they kind of implied that, that Doug mm-hmm. refuses to tell us anything. <laughs> uh, but th- there's that. And then probably more significant, because we both didn't expect anything out of Sproles anyway, is that Sidney Jones and Jalen Mills are not going to play on Sunday. <laughs> like, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's they haven't like, practiced all week. Right. It's looking like that. And and I'm, he sounded less optimistic about Mills, like, going forward. So uh, now that, that means that they have three healthy, like, Pure cornerbacks, depending on what you classify Avante Maddox as, since he's a starting safety. But their three corners are right now are Ronald Darby, Razul Douglas, who they by default have to play. Imagine if they still didn't play him, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I guess Shannon Sullivan they also have, and uh, and Craven LeBlanc. That's his name, right? Hey, but Darren Sproles is still active on the active roster, yeah. and your Ooh, roster. Uh, and they also, I mean, they've got. And Lane Johnson is going to play, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, Lane Johnson's been soldiering through this. Man, I, it's I, crazy. Gosh. Apparently all he needed was a week off, and he's like, all right, I'm good. Between him and Jason Peters, yeah, like, those dudes are I, tough. It, 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 I, I, who knows? Um, but <laughs> Who knows? But the the thing that I'm concerned about there is, is he a step too slow, and that hurts him as they're moving DeMarcus Lawrence across the formation, uh, across the line. Uh, that's concerning. That said, though, Probably a better option than Big B at right tackle because we remember what Big B looked like as a rookie at right tackle. We also remember what he looked like as a left tackle at times uh, when called. And up. how he's looked this year in general. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think this gives you your starting offensive line intact, banged up but intact. Um, I think from an injury standpoint, they're actually in pretty decent shape. Corey Graham's likely to come back, uh, and he'll be in his like familiar third safety role where he's mostly just filling in. Which is all he should be, but yeah. They haven't had that depth when he's been out. Well, what's good about that is it allows him to play strong safety, which he can back up Malcolm Jenkins as Malcolm Jenkins moves to nickel or linebacker or wherever he's moving. And I think that that's very valuable, especially with Avante Maddox kind of emerging at free safety. Now, when you look at nickel, you brought up Sidney Jones. They've got a lot of options on the roster. None of them are really ideal. So let's kind of go through that. So you got... Crevon LeBlanc, who just got here. Now, of the options, he's the guy that has probably the most, most experience, exper- yeah. recent experience at nickel. Um, was it on and off? Though he was barely playing this year for the Lions. Right, but the previous two years, he was an on and off starter for uh, John Fox in Chicago. Then you have Corey Graham, who admitted that he really wants to see in his, his role as the third safety the other day um, when talking to him. I don't think that that's a smart move. Uh, you've got Avante Maddox, who we brought up, but he's your starting free safety, and what that would do is it would move Corey Graham to the starting free safety where he struggled against the Titans in week He was four. bad against the Titans. Right. It just doesn't make sense. Even though he'd probably be the most ideal replacement. The On the roster, at least. Right, yes. on the <laughs> roster. The consequences of moving him are far more damning than probably they would want to consider on then you've got you brought up Shandon Sullivan there's Trey Sullivan both of them played corner in college both of them are kind of hybrid guys I could see them putting Trey Sullivan there just because free safety he is a free safety and he played corner in college and maybe he knows the defense so maybe you give him a one week shot there uh because it seems like Sidney Jones is on the cusp of returning in week 11 
then you have a guy like um, uh, who who's my my last guy that I had. You've got Rasul. I mean, Rasul wouldn't ideally be set at nickel. It's just it's not a smart. They're, move. they're not going to play him at nickel. They've right. They're going to move pretty, him to the if, outside. If, if they were, they wouldn't have signed Dexter McDougal to start at him for two. Right. Weeks. And then there's uh, Devonte Bosby who on the practice squad. Who's yeah. on the practice squad, but really, are you going to promote him if you weren't going to sign him to the active roster anyway earlier in the week? Like clearly, they thought LeBlanc was worth stashing on the active roster. Um. Again, none of these guys are ideal because they create certain. All these there's a reason why all these guys are backups and or work released by their teams. It's because they're probably right. not good enough to be starters. Right. I think LeBlanc is going to be the guy. I think he'll do a better job than McDougal, but uh, I mean that's like <laughs> that's not really saying yeah. anything. Um, but I mean you got to play the cards you you have, I guess. So. Now. Typically, in a week, you'd be like, okay, cool, whatever. It, it, it's just a slot receiver that he's covering. But Cole Beasley, it, outside of Amari Cooper, is probably their best receiving threat. He's a pretty crafty veteran. He's hurt the Eagles quite a bit in the past. That's why it's kind of damning. And so that's why maybe you look at Malcolm Jenkins, just because you can have Corey Graham at strong safety. He's comfortable there. The problem is, is that Jenkins is, great, is a great coverage safety. The problem is, is he's not. He doesn't have corner speed, and Beasley's strength is his speed and his quick feet. So you're putting Jenkins in a spot where he's probably set up to lose 50-50. Um, so you have to weigh whether you think LeBlanc can be a 75% guy, whether you think that Avante Maddox is a 90% guy, but your safety group is really at risk for big plays. Was Corey Graham's awful performance against the Titans kind of just a, a letdown performance? Is he better? You know, it's one of those things. So I think the Eagles have a lot to contemplate heading into this game. I'm sure they have a plan in place. Um, is it the right plan? Who knows? But I, I'm really weary of, of Cole Beasley. I'm not weary of Amari Cooper because I think you have – I think you, this is a situation where Jim Schwartz has to say, look, I've got all these DB injuries – I've got to adjust my my system a little bit. I'll have Darby trail him. I still don't think he's going to. He probably won't, but it's. I don't think it's advantageous if you don't have a lot of confidence in Rasul Douglas, which they clearly do not have enough confidence in him to have him play a major role, that you put him up against Amari Cooper. I just don't think that's smart. It doesn't seem like if you have as much confidence in in Douglas to go up against Cooper, then why haven't you played him for the last eight weeks? You know what I mean? I understand Jalen Mills is your guy, but you can sprinkle Rasul in when you need to. Uh, Darby's been playing pretty much every snap. So if if you're not going to trail him, you're going to put Douglas in a position where they're going to go at him constantly with Cooper. I guess it depends on how scared you are of Dak Prescott, which maybe they're not. Well, that's true. I mean, you have to make this game one-dimensional. The Eagles have the second-ranked run defense in the league. Uh, only one running back has run for more than 50 yards it's on Saquon, them. Saquon, yeah. It's Saquon. He actually did it in one play, a 50-yard touchdown. Um, and like I said earlier in, in the show, uh, Elliott has played 33 career games. He's Well, 34 if you count the playoffs. And he's only been... Uh, held under 50 yards twice it's doable it's possible but you got to make this team one-dimensional so you put the ball in Dak's hands 
And while Elliott's been able to pick up some yardage the last couple of weeks, they really have made Elliott's effectiveness, even picking up yardage, uh, kind of minute and, and made Dak really try to beat them. And Dak can't beat you on his own. It's very evident. Um, he's going to throw interceptions. He's going to make mistakes. The fumble issues you see with Carson Wentz, you see with Dak Prescott. Um, so I think this is an opportunity. If the Eagles can get up and build a lead and take away the running game, it, it should be cake. And we pretty much covered the matchup with uh, Amari Cooper, but let's get into some of the other matchups. What's another one that stands out that you have your eye on? So it, I don't know if they're going to – who they're going to put on Alshon Jeffrey – my guess would be Byron Jones just because he's so athletic and has good size. Um, I forgot the other corner's name. He's got a really hard name to pronounce. I'll go look it up while Shedaway. you're talking. Uh, anyway, um, I think you're going to have to get really physical with, with Alshon. Um, Jalen Mill- I mean, Jalen Ramsey had an okay game against him, but I think if you can continue to chip away on Alshon, you're going to have... You're talking game. about Chidobe Awuzie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the guy yeah, from Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he covered him last time they played each other, or the last time that it was a meaningful game. Did an okay job, um, but I think he, I think he's playing a lot of slot, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So they, 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 they might just play sides here, just because I think all three of their corners are pretty much at the same level, but Jones is playing very well. Um, and I think that's a really prime matchup to watch. I'm interested to see who they put on Zach Ertz. Uh, Jeff Heath shouldn't be that guy. If Jeff Heath is on Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz is going to have a career game <laughs> with the way he's going. Um, I think what you do is you, you saw it a, a bit against the, the, the Jaguars, but that pre-snap motion, I think you use a lot of that switch Golden Tate and Nelson Aguilar doing it because you don't know what you're getting with Golden Tate. I mean, I think I think you switch things around, maybe do a reverse with them, um, get creative with Golden Tate because go- as much as Golden Tate isn't really a gadget guy, he can be. And I think there should be certain packages where you kind of get him out in open space and just let him run. I don't think they're going to – I don't know if they're going to show all their cre- creativity with Golden Tate just yet. Doug sounded like resistant to, to saying he would even be like playing the entire game. Was so they have a small package of plays? They've been he is a veteran and he can come in and play right away. I think he's going to play a big role, but I, I don't I don't think they're going to get crazy creative with him yet. I'm going to sorry, I don't mean to put words in Doug's mouth, but I took that I read that as that's bullshit. So it's yeah. like I, I don't I that's I, I kind of don't see that as being a. I mean, he's also the guy that wouldn't name his punt return. Yeah, so, you're right. You know, no, you know what I mean? He's not like, going to tell us anything. Yeah, right. So. I mean, I, I think he's gonna. I think you have to establish him early. Is what yeah, I'm yeah. Saying. Um, I, mean, I mean, that offense, man, I, it's gonna be so hard to stop. They, you already, you were just talking about Ertz and Jeffrey, and before even getting to Golden Tate, and then you, you still have Dallas Goddard, who's played really well. And I, I just don't see any way the Cowboys can defend this offense. I know their defense has been pretty good, but maybe that that more applies to the Eagles' running backs, which is more of a question mark area. Right. Yeah. No, and that's a good point. Um, I think. I think Josh Adams has to start this game, right? I mean, like they'll, they'll start Smallwood. You think so? Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, I, you until know what? until they until they don't do that, I'm gonna assume they uh, do okay, that. Okay, cool. So I will bet you I will bet you a beer on that one. And so the next edition of the No Huddle Show will you'll find out 
I guess. Who gets what, the first carry? No, That's no you'll, you'll find out who what type of beer Zach bought. Wait, me. you're just betting who gets the first carry? What? I mean, that no, I, I think that he's gonna. I think he's gonna get the most snaps, and I think he's gonna start this game if they're smart. Uh, I think it's time. Like well, you, all I was saying, that I, I just think Smallwood's just gonna be the first one out there. Oh well, if you want to just bet on that, we can do that. I don't, we don't need to bet on anything. It's not even that controversial. Like just the first play. Okay, I think that Josh Adams should get the most carries, yes. and I think he'll be the rhythm guy. I agree, he should. Okay, yes. All right, so we're on the same page. You heard that, <laughs> listeners. Um, <laughs> I think this is an opportunity for Corey Clement to kind of reestablish himself. Um, I think you know what you have in Wendell Smallwood. I think they like him, but Clement is their best pass blocker with Sproles still delayed on his return. I just think you really have to get Clement involved. Um, They've been resistant to that the last few weeks, which I don't think he's very happy about. Yeah, it doesn't... Yeah, your article really didn't paint a very positive picture of how he feels about the... Uh, just those quotes. But um, Nelson is another guy that I think we need to talk about because they still don't have a deep threat. They they reportedly reached out to the Jets about Robbie Anderson. and Before, I'm before Tate, yeah. Yeah, before Tate, and so I'm wondering if the idea was to trade for Tate so that you could open things up for Aguilar to be the deep threat. That that makes sense to me. I think that's what probably excited the coaches about Tate is uh, as good as Nelson Aguilar has been in the slot. You need somebody who's consistent. You need somebody who can get yards after the catch in that role. I mean, he hasn't and, been that good in the slot this year, to be honest. Right. I mean, he, I mean, he's had pretty consistent hands. He's been a reliable target. He's gotten open. It's just a matter of getting the yards after the catch. And so I think Golden Tate can do all of those things, but also get yards after the catch. Um, Aguilar needs to be on the outside. I think he's gotten his confidence back. You don't want it to want him to lose that confidence with the season that he's having. Um, I'd much rather have him on the outside than. Jordan Matthews or Sheldon Gibson or whoever. This way you could find some consistency in those last eight games of having, you know, Alshon on one side, Nelson on the other, and then Golden Tate in the slot, and then maybe rotate them and make it difficult for defenses to key in. You know, when they know that Aguilar's outside, he's running three or four routes. You know what I mean? So I think Golden Tate opens things up for everybody. I think he'll open up the running game as well. Should be an interesting... uh, should be an interesting debut game for for Golden Tate in theory. I I think the fans are gonna love him, like just the way the way that dude plays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, he he runs like a running back half the time. Because <laughs> he was a college running yeah. back, and uh, I think for him, he's in an offense now that's extremely creative. Not that Jim Bob Cooter isn't like an extremely creative offensive coordinator, or that Joe Lombardi was not an. Uh, a creative offensive coordinator, uh, or even Daryl Bevel for that. Yeah, no, Daryl Bevel wasn't that creative. <laughs> but I, I think Doug Peterson's a guy who thinks of ways to utilize his players in different pr- in like a multiple prong system. Like, oh, he can do this, he can do this, he can do this, he can do this, and he'll put you in position to do that. I think they've been missing as much as people didn't like Tory or not didn't like Tory Smith. That's the wrong word. As much as people didn't appreciate Tory Smith for what he was able to do, they do miss a deep threat and having Nelson Aguilar potentially take on that role can open this offense up significantly. You've brought it up in articles. I brought it up in articles. Carson Wentz talks about him as a deep threat at least once every other week. So it, it, he clearly respects his ability to separate. And I think, 
you know, if you can get him running in like a nine route, a go route, and just getting space, picking up 30 yards, you'll help his confidence. We haven't really talked that much about Carson Wentz, weirdly. And I, I think I'm very interested to see how the second half of the season goes for him because his numbers are really good and he's kind of... Bananas. What's that? Bananas. Yeah. Like, they are bananas. Multiple bananas. Yeah, and he's been on an upward trend and I and I feel like there's still been points where he has a bit, like, fully himself. But I feel like that, that week off, he gets another week, like, you know, they're, they're going to... I think they're going to be a lot better in the red zone in the second half of the season. I think that was probably a focus during the bye week. Um, and uh, I just think the second half, like, he could just take off and become an MVP candidate, depending on how the Eagles play. They have to win more than nine games, probably more than ten games for him to be, like, a legit candidate with, like, the way Mahomes and, and Todd Gurley and all these guys are playing. But, I mean, he I just has he, so many wet. Like, you know, he, he's licking his chops right now. Yeah, I think if he can if, – if the Eagles can beat the Saints and or the Rams – yeah. I mean, then you're thinking about the Eagles as a contender again, so they're more right. in a national conversation than they are right now. And I actually don't hate the way they match up against the Saints. I actually think this Golden Tate trade was made for New Orleans and, and Los Angeles, not for the division. And because I think it opens things up offensively. The Rams' defense is giving up a lot of yardage. The Saints' defense is not that good. If you want to be a contender, you've got to score points to match those points. That's why I think – I saw your face when I when I said that, but it, I, I do think these trades were made more to, to compete against contenders once you get in the playoffs. I think they feel really good about where they are in the division. I think they could still win the division even if they didn't have Golden Tate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But Golden Tate to me is, is the answer to opening things up for when you do get to the playoffs. He's a guy who's a savvy vet. You know what he can do. Um, I think he upgrades several positions by just being there. And so – Again, you have to be able to run the ball. You have to be able to hold tight on defense, which a lot's come out over the bye week about the defense and how they actually are pretty good. Um, You know, the Eagles have turned the ball over 12 times. The defense is only allowed 28 points. That's that's remarkable. Um, They're obviously the second best run defense. Uh, They're pretty good overall third down and fourth down team. I think if this defense can kind of regroup a little bit and the secondary can get a little healthier, especially against the Saints, especially against the Rams, they're in really good shape. This defense hasn't been bad. It's just been a it's been a micro issue as opposed to a macro issue. I mean, they're top 10 in scoring defense and top 5 in rush defense. They've just given up big chunk plays and they haven't forced turnovers. Like usually their turnover differential, which is one of the worst in the NFL, like that's not the sign of like a winning team usually. Right. But they've still been close in every like every one of their lot their losses are by a combined what like fifteen points or something like that or yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, I mean I I think I think the issues more have been the red zone offense and you know, closing out games with a running back. I yeah. think that's been the issue. A lot of people gave us flack for criticizing Carson, but they it, we're criticizing the unit. It's not just Carson. Like, Carson's incredible between the, the 20s. He's having an incredible year. The problem is, is it doesn't seem to be all coming together in the red zone. And on top of that, it's hard to close out games when you can't run the football. We saw, like, you look at the way they played in the in the Jaguars game against the way they played at, at running back in, in the Panthers game, and that's your proof. That's why I think Josh Evans is the is the guy. Josh Adams. Josh, yeah. Did I say Josh Evans? 
God, man. I have to correct you. I have Today to. Today is the Josh Adams. Uh, and we're both pretty high on him, I think. Yeah, I'm very, very high on him. Yeah. There were two runs in that game against the Jaguars where he literally just stuck his foot in and shook guys. Like, I... I, I Failed to understand how he went undrafted. I failed to understand how he how, passed through waivers. Yeah, how he passed through waivers. Like that's a mere. Could you imagine if he was like playing for like the? Yeah, Red well, where would they where would they be right now if they didn't weren't able to keep him on the roster? Like, well, I mean, they'd probably they'd be, be playing pl- Pumphrey. Yeah, they yeah. So I mean, that's the thing too is you know I I want to get into special teams in a second. I know we're we're going a little long, but oh, um, I think I think Adams. Being able to be that Garrett Blunt esque, you know, upright runner who can can break tackles and be a one cut guy, he's so different than Clement and Smallwood, who have proven to be really good supplemental players. They're just not good enough to carry the load, or their skill set doesn't match what they need. Well, they can't. They don't get chunk yardages. They can get right. small yards as needed. And Smallwood's become a better receiver than he had ever been in the past, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think Adams, I mean, we've talked about this. He's, he just can get those tough yards. He's looked really good when he's been given the opportunity. They didn't give him the opportunity for a while. Maybe I know Deuce Daly talked a lot about how, you know, as a, as a rookie, you go through the pre-draft process where you're bouncing around everywhere. You're not really getting a chance to like learn playbooks and, and practice. It's more like training and physical training and running 40 yard dashes and, and talking to coaches. And then you, you get, he, he gets the mini camp and he's hurt. He didn't get to play at all in OTAs and mini camp, so it sets him back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So then he's catching up in training camp and preseason. He, then he got banged up again a little bit. So I think he was a little more behind the eight ball in terms of like picking up pass protections and and learning the playbook than maybe people realize, which is why he wasn't like if if we look at it now, like they should have been playing him more, but he might just not have been ready yet. Even if it looks sure. like even when he got the ball, he got chunk yardage. Like they weren't confident enough in him yet, and that, now it, it feels like it's going in that direction. You see the coaches talking about him, even when he's not asked about, which is always a sign that the coaches are thinking about him. So I, he's, he's going to be a part of this offense going forward. I, I hope that they make him the main part of it. Honestly, like he, it's crazy to think about an undrafted rookie, but he, he physically doesn't look like a guy who just got out of college. He looks like a man and he runs like a man, like a grown ass man. Yeah. Uh, Mike grow went out of his way to praise his receiving and pass blocking ability, which pass blocking is a big thing, which we haven't really seen. He caught his first pass for six yards against the Jaguars. Most running back coaches and most offensive coordinators do not want you in a game. If you cannot pass block, especially on third down. And if Adams is, unless you're Wendell Smallwood, apparently, cause he keeps playing. Right. Even though he can't pass. Well, block. they have no choice. I <laughs> yeah, guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Adams, to me, has proven that he can be that that guy, uh, or at least in a short-term mold. I, I don't know if he's your starter moving forward. I don't know what. But of the group, I think he needs to be a more vocal, focal point of the, the offense. Um, from there, speaking of, of Corey Clement, um, punt returner, uh, that is a real uh, Mr. Magoo position <laughs> at this point. Like, it's hard to see what the right move is. Uh, I, I would consider Nelson Aguilar back there on it. He hasn't, I would, too. He hasn't returned punts in a while, but in college, like he was really good punt return. Right. I was looking at his numbers. He had, like, three touchdowns. It seems like all those USC wide receivers. I mean, Marquise Lee was the same way, and then yeah. they just don't. I mean, if they haven't been practicing there, then he's not going to play there, probably. But, I mean, he has the athleticism. He has the acceleration ability. Um, he's not going to have as big of a role on the offense now. That's just the reality. Uh, with Golden Tate in the mix, like he, I mean, he already wasn't getting that many catches since Alshon got back. But 
but his targets have progressively gone down, and now Golden Tate's here, going to take up some reps in the slot. Like, n- not that that's necessarily relevant to the punt return thing, but the point being, like, they can afford to, you know, pull him away and make him a returner if they wanted to do that. I got pushed back after for criticizing uh, that Carter, DeAndre Carter was waived without them having reassurance that Sproles could come back in the lineup. The reason why I liked Carter being in that role is he was so inconsequential to the offense that if he got injured on a punt return, they're okay. Yeah. That's my concern about putting Tate or Aguilar. I agree with you. Like the talent is there. Like they're capable of doing it. I mean, you don't need to use one guy either. They can rotate a bunch of guys in there, but like you're opening them up to, I mean like to these opportunities to be injured. And Brian Westbrook used to be the punt returner, right? Brian Westbrook was like an all world punt returner though. You know what I mean? Like Sean Jackson. Yeah, Sproles. I mean, those Deshaun, guys are freaks of nature, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, if Sproles came back, I guarantee you he probably wouldn't have been that involved in the offense. So that... That was my that, impression, yeah. That was probably what they were banking on. Hey, at least he can come back and be the punt returner. Which is why they were okay with getting rid of a guy who was only a punt returner. Right. Corey Clement failed miserably in his six attempt, But I just get this feeling that he's going to be the guy. I don't know why. Like, I, I agree with you. I think they put Golden Tate out there at times. But I think... Corey Clement might get another shot depending on how the weather is. Because remember, his opportunities came when it was, I think it was the Colts game when it was like really soggy. Raining, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you had, I think he got opportunities in, in the uh, Tampa Bay game where like the sun was like right in his face. So, you know, maybe this is a team that's very patient, unless you're Corey Graham. Um, and I think. I think you could see maybe a mix. I like what you said. Like, don't settle on one guy. Just kind unless of unless around. you have a hot hand, then you ride. Then you let that guy keep going. Yeah, figure you know? out what you got. I mean, I mean, because Carter, what they kind of put him in there because guys are banged up, and he had a like good return or two, and then all of a sudden he was the main. Like he wasn't. He became the main returner. He wasn't. I don't think that was the plan. That's right. why he stuck around. He would have been released much earlier if if they didn't realize what they had there. And I, I think I don't even think when they when they kept him around, they necessarily knew that he was gonna you know, be a potential primary returner. Right. Like they, they liked him as a receiver. He played the first week, like 60 snaps at receiver. Stopped playing receiver pretty much at all after that. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how much they even value the return positions to be honest, but yeah, I don't either. I think you need to field it. You need yeah. to be able to field it. That's like your job. That's the bare minimum. That's why Shelton Gibson doesn't really get a shot. Cause he makes a little too many mistakes with those. Right. Things. Um, but he's the fastest guy in the team, but yeah. Whatever. Why is he in the team still? Okay, anyway. No, but, uh, but uh, yeah, on that note, I also want to bring up, um, you know, the kicking situation. How do you feel about Jake Elliott through eight games? Not all too confident okay. in him. Uh, he, he He's played better recently. He, I think he had like a 40-something yarder finally. He's not. He doesn't look like the same kicker as last year. And kickers year to year, you just don't. Like you see Caleb Sturgis. Like he was really good here before he got hurt. People forget. He got cut by the Chargers because he was so bad for them. Yeah, and injuries can typically, you know, they can do things mentally and physically to you. And the thing is, they've like, Elliott's going to be an exclusive rights free agent this offseason. So the Eagles, if they extend him that offer, nobody else can sign him. But um, like they don't have to keep him if if they decide he's not that good. They sound pretty confident in him. I don't think they're worried right now. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't start making longer kicks more consistently, like that if that's not an option for them in the game, like it just removes an aspect that the team had last year. Like Doug, like I know he goes for fourth down a lot, but he had a kicker who he's pretty confident can make it from 50 yards out. And I I don't know if they have that confidence in Elliott right now. Sure. And then conversely, you look at punter and. 
Cameron Johnson's having a really good low-key year, or low-key good year. He's leading the league in punt average and net punt. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's a pretty good find for Dave Phipp, especially considering he cut him a year ago. I spoke with a uh, long snacker, snapper, long snacker, uh, long snapper, <laughs> that's, that's uh, Rick Lovato I'm, I'm the, the other day, snacker. and uh, he he was telling me like that competing with yourself as opposed to an actual like competition can sometimes be like harder on you mentally and make you a little bit better just because you never know when they could bring in that guy in when you're competing against somebody else. You can see what that other person's doing. You know who your competition is. You know what you need to do. You know what you need to be better at than that other person. Sorry. Um, and I think Johnston was re- able, really able to focus on him and compete with himself and get over his whatever he needed to get over to make this roster. So I think that's pretty impressive. That's a nice success story there. Um, all, right, all right, enough about punters. All right, let's uh, let's let's geez, get in, let's. <laughs> Let's let's give the people what they want here, which is a prediction for so this game. So talk about fullbacks. <laughs> yeah. um, no, that's not, not what you want, Mike. <laughs> yeah, uh, prediction for the game. I'm going to go 24-20 Eagles. I think the Eagles will get to a pretty comfortable lead and then do as they typically do and give up scores. But I think they'll end up closing. Like I think they're going to get up to probably a uh, like a 17 to seven lead at halftime they'll score a touchdown in the in the fourth quarter and then they'll win yeah i i kind of see it going i think it'll look close for a little bit maybe the first quarter maybe the second and then i think the eagles pull away in the second half where it's like wait that like ga- where, where that year. game was close yeah and I, I i forget what's i can't find the score i had but i think my prediction was something along the lines of like 31 to 14 like i think they could jump ahead in that second half and this hmm. maybe Golden Tate gets a touchdown. I don't know. I, I just think this offense is like so good. And I, I think the Cowboys are pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. The only thing that would shock me probably right now is like a Cowboys blowout win. Um, I could see the Eagles losing it in a tight one. I could see the Eagles winning in a tight one and I could see them blowing out the Cowboys. I don't think I could see the Cowboys blowing out the Eagles. Yeah. And by the way, if the Eagles lose this game, like, they can still win the division, but like you're not feeling very good about them anymore. I, we talked about that. But that's been the week, season. Yeah. That's been the whole season. I know, but they haven't played somebody this bad besides the Giants. Well, they also haven't won back-to-back games all yeah. season, so this would which be is ca- which is kind of crazy, yeah. Which, you know, with that said, they've lost back-to-back games. They haven't won back-to-back games, so I think this is a big hurdle to get over. If they can get to five and four, I think you feel pretty good about them, just because. Who does Washington play this week? Can you look that up? They play me? the uh, Buccaneers. Okay, and the Buccaneers, you never know what you're getting from them. So that should Ryan be Ryan Fitzmagic is what you're getting. Yeah, hey. He was apparently wearing sunglasses with it, within his... Yeah, it was uh, awesome. I've never seen that before. That's pretty badass. <laughs> I respect but, that. Um, so we've said bullshit, ass, and a bunch of stuff. Are we going to well, get Well, now fine? you just said it again, so... Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Push the envelope. It's YouTube. All right, before uh, we go, I want to I read... There was a funny comment we had on our last podcast. Oh, yes. And I, I just felt like I needed to share it. You, you made a joke about Matt LeBlanc. You yes. called Craven LeBlanc Matt LeBlanc from Friends, and you said maybe he'll, I forget what you said. Maybe. And the guy that pointed out Matt LeBlanc could show up and get an interception as he did in the Thanksgiving episode of Friends or Ross and Monica play for the Geller Cup. It's a classic Friends episode. This yeah. is from Daniel Timms. Deep cuts. And that made me laugh really hard. And I really I, I didn't even think about that when you were talking about it. Like yeah. that, that's a famous episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I, LeBlanc's got ball skills. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, 
always how you do again leave comments on our youtube leave it you know tweet it at us uh leave it on spreaker apple we're on all the apps uh, iHeartRadio, soundcloud google play uh thanks for listening guys we'll we'll have another one for you on sunday night deuces or monday morning it's a little late on sunday night <laughs> oh man that was an early deuce <laughs> all right bye guys